All right, good morning, everyone. Good morning, all right, okay. We get ready here. You guys are wondering what's behind us. It's in um, tablecloths, okay, there you go. I don't even know what's behind us. All right, okay. So how are you guys doing this morning? Guys seem like you need another hour of sleep. Is the extra hour not enough? Give me a hand if uh, you guys think you need more sleep. Raise your hand. Oh, just a couple of you? Well, you guys need some energy this morning. Then. Did everybody have their coffee? Yeah. All right, okay. Yeah, all right, somebody did up there. <laughs> all right, that's Carlos. Help me out, bro. All right, well, good morning, everyone. We are starting a series for three weeks entitled Level Up. Level Up. And you guys, um, what you might see is someone asked me, what's that three there for? Um, really doesn't have any significance other than it's a number and has to do with the financial sermon series. And so I just put the three there instead of the E. Kind of cool. Like if you have a password, you change an E to a three, an H to a four, and an S to a five, right? How many of you guys do that? How many of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about? How many of you guys are just sitting there saying, what in the world is he talking about? Well, I just thought maybe you guys would follow up a little bit on that, but we're, we're going to talk about leveling up our giving. But our giving isn't just about money. It should be about time and talents. Now, we understand what God did by giving us his son. And we understand, too, that God has called us to give something up, too. That's ourselves. So when we came to Christ, we were bought with a price, and we gave ourselves up. So it does require some type of sacrifice. And so we want to make sure we understand how important that is. I came across a story, as you may know, if you're watching and looking at different movies that are coming up, you might have seen a trailer entitled King Richard. Well, this gentleman, Richard Williams, was one who is the father of very famous couple, uh, a couple of young women who are now a little bit older, but Venus and Serena Williams. Now, as we know, they're superstars in our world today. Uh, Venus was just 17 years old when she played in her first match against a woman who would, she would know become her greatest court, greatest rival on the court, her sister, Serena Williams, who was only 16 years old, when the two met in the 1990 Australian Open. Venus won the match in straight sets, then won the rematch that following year in the Italian Open. I didn't write this. That's true. It's the Italian Open. And from that point on, the sisters took the tennis world by storm, revolutionizing the game and taking home an unprecedented number of championships and trophies. Combined, they won 122 single titles, including 30 Grand Slam single titles. For you who understand that in the tennis world, good for you, I don't. And earned over $175 million in prize money. Unbelievable. And while they considered rivals on the court, they're actually very close together. They won 22 double titles as teammates, 14 of which have been in Grand Slam competition. They dominated the world 
unlike anybody would ever expect as an African-American who often didn't play that sport, these two young ladies have become superstars. But what did it cost? What did it cost for Richard as a father who had to live in Compton, California? One of the areas in 1980s that was drug-infested, an area where no one would want to live and would wonder if they could even make it in that town, in that city. But what moved Richard Williams wasn't the game of tennis, but it was when he was watching it one time and saw $40,000 for the tournament winner back then. That moved him. That challenged him. It said, I've got to raise champions in my house. And I'm going to come because he was a stepfather and said, I'm going to do this. And he took the sacrifice to do that. Challenged his young girls at four years old to carry a racket with them and to volley every day with a tennis ball. Wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning as they got older, from four years old and older. He would wake them up early in the morning as they got a little bit older and started to get them working before school. He said they would have to return 500 volleys to earn rest for their evening. Just love the dedication that this meant. He was willing to sacrifice all. But this is what he had to sacrifice because in Compton, in order to get some court time, you had to fight for it. And here's what Richard Williams was willing to do. Gangs tended to take control of the local parts, parks and tennis courts, which were generally run down. And he took it upon himself. He often argued with gang members and fought with them to get court time. Early on, he had to fight for it physically. And what happened? He was left with broken ribs, 10 teeth knocked out of his skull just to get his daughters on the court. After a while, though, Richard willed himself to victory all those because as he continued to do this, he won over these gang members to where now when he would go on the court, they would protect him unofficially. They would protect the girls from anybody trying to get into the court. He would have them to where even they were telling Richard what to do. Richard couldn't even get in, discuss anything with his daughters unless they okayed it. I mean, that's how he had, when he had to sacrifice everything for the sake of getting his daughters to become superstars. What an amazing father to be willing to give up his own life just so his daughters can become successful. The sacrifice, I could tell you right now, just from seeing the trailer, I'd encourage you to watch the movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm looking forward to watching it because of the commitment that this father was willing to make. And so we have to ask that question every day. What are we willing to do? What's it going to cost for us for the sake of the gospel? I mean, we have to be willing to sacrifice. Throughout the scriptures, it shows us and demonstrates to us not only that Jesus was willing to sacrifice, but we see Paul and we see the apostles. We've seen prophets prior to Jesus coming to earth. And we see throughout all the narratives and the stories that there is a sacrifice that someone has to make in order to gain in their walk with God. In fact, Jesus mentions it in Luke chapter 10, 26 and 20. He says, you have to die to self. Take up your cross. Die daily to grow. So countercultural 
to the Western mindset of an individualistic that says, I'm on top, I'm number one, how could I advance myself? But that has, that mindset, that visual, that mindset comes into the church and it creeps into the church. And now when we get into the church, we think about how can I advance myself? But God tells us in order to advance, we got to die. We got to sacrifice. We got to be willing to take the cost. And so we're, we're going to look at a short little story in, in, in the book of Mark in chapter 12 about a, a nameless widow who gave up two coins and willing to determine what we're willing to give up for the sake of the gospel. You know, behind me, I have these two ball cages and we have one that's empty over here. No, I don't have any magic trick here, so I'm not going to transfer a rabbit from one side to the other. And so I've got some game balls that are here, all kinds of colors. I've got some volleyballs. I've got some basketballs. How many of you guys need for me to just pull this up a little bit so you can see it? Can you see it better there? All right, thank you. Someone's paying attention. All right. So we have an empty one over here. So this would represent what God expects from us. This is ours. Okay, there's 30, okay, in here, counted them, came here to make sure they were all here. But if God's calling us to be proportional givers, which is 10%, he's just asking us to start at that level. So if we're going to level up, we want to believe God that it's not 2%, 4%, or 5%, but the challenge is 10%, and we challenge you guys to do this. So with 30 balls, God is just simply asking for us to have just three. Just hand them over three, okay? I'm even going to try to grab one of each. So one of each, he's saying, all I need you to do is just give me this. That's all God wants from you. 27 are still here. This is still for you. But God's just asking for three. Can you see the visual? Can you see? That's all God's asking of you, 10%. He said, you can keep all this if you want, which is already his anyway. See, the heart understands. A heart surrender to God understands it's not even ours in the first place. It's all his. So really, this all belongs to him. But he'll say, you know, God will say, this is yours. I give it to you. You can do what you need to do with it. But all I'm asking is this. Now, here's the visual. The visual is very clear. Because if you had 60, then you would just have six in there. If you had 90, you would just have nine, which you'd be left with, at 90, you'd be left with 81. What would you do with it? When you hear the word money, do you always think about what you can get or what you can give? See, what are we willing to sacrifice so maybe it's possible that we could give God a little bit more? Could we? See, that goes from proportional giver to a sacrificial giver. And so God's calling us because he's giving us this simple little story here in the scriptures. And he's showing us what you and I wouldn't even think would make the Bible. Actually, it's a story that made in the Bible. <laughs> made it in the Bible. But here's, here's the key thing. As we look at this story, I just want to invite you to understand that there's some key principles to sacrifice. Because sacrificing, giving, is the top. It's going beyond your means. But while you go beyond your means, you got to be willing to give something up. It's going to cost you and I something. 
It's going to cost something we want here on earth so badly. Something we dreamed about. Something we wished all since we were little children, hoping one day we'd have enough money to get. Only to know that when we pass away, we can't even take it with us. So as a body of Christ, as a people of God, what are we willing to make the impact, to make a footprint, to make some kind of impact to a world that so desperately needs Jesus? What are we willing to do? Are we willing to give up something for the sake of the gospel? And so God is calling us and he's telling us about this simple story. So here I'm just going to share some key principles with you regarding this story. Number one is this. When you see that the, the, the two sets of people are here, the rich, the widow, and then Jesus looking upon with the disciples behind him. And so here you have just a simple little statement. It says, the rich gave from their surplus while the widows gave from their shortage. Let me just start here in chapter 12, verse 41. It says, and he sat down, Jesus and he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. Now, we would think that with large sums that the heart would represent that. But we got to be careful because when Jesus was talking about, when Mark was writing this, he was talking about rich people. Now, it's not, it's nothing wrong with being rich. It's what we do with that money that's so important. So these rich people were putting large sums of money. But they were giving out of their surplus. And as they were giving out of their surplus, it wasn't the giving first of the, of the 10%. It was, let me get all my riches in order. And then, oh, I got so much money now. All right, I'll give some more. I got to get rid of it anyway. I got to get rid of it. I might as well. And so they just threw in large sums of money in there. Now, God could still use it, but yet the heart wasn't actually there the way Jesus is presenting it. Because they were giving out of their surplus. They were giving out of what they had. And their responsibility, according even into the Old Testament, the responsibility was to take care of the poor. And so in the Old Testament, even in Proverbs 14, 21, you'll see numerous verses about taking care of the poor. And it says, whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. See, that's what the Old Testament of Proverbs and Solomon, he's sharing, he's saying in verse 31 of chapter 14 as well, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, almighty God, but he who is generous to the needy, honor him. So these large sums are given, but now you have this woman who's there, and as she's there, she only gives a smaller sum, a very small sum. And I think it's important to understand that God has called us in all of this, that he's wanting us to understand that God is not ultimately interested or more interested in the, the attitude of the giver more than he is interested or less interested in the amount of the gift. So he's more interested in the attitude of the giver and less in the amount of the gift. So you might say, well, wait a minute, what does that really mean? Are you saying that I don't have to give as much or it doesn't matter how much I give? No, it just simply says this. God is interested in the heart because the rich people gave large sums of money. But Jesus is about to say something about those rich people that he's not really trying to highlight about their amount. See, the amount is subjective. The heart is what God is looking for in the objective. 
God is interested in challenging our hearts. So when he's doing this, is he's saying that I'm more interested in your heart and how it is. Because, see, this is where we got to go back to. Here's, a, here's another key, key component or verse here in, in the scriptures. Just look with me if you can. I'm just going to go back to um, Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. If you guys can see that there. Mark chapter 14. Just work with me there. There you go. Mark chapter 14. Thank you, guys. And I just want to highlight this. Because here was a woman who was about to worship Jesus in front of all of these Pharisees. In verse 3, it says, while he was at Bethany, Jesus, in the, in the house of Simon the leopard, he was reclining at the table and a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. So she had this alabaster jar of ointment. That we understand even in the scripture, if you look in this chapter, in chapter 14 of Mark, you'll even see further that they were questioning. Why would she do that? Why would she waste that kind of money? It was 300 denier, which is a denier was one day's work. So if you get one denier, you get one day's wage of work. And now 300 would account for an entire year. And so here he was highlighting the fact that they were like, all the, the disciples were even there. And it says in verse 5, for this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denier and given to the poor. So he's like, why would she do that and waste that money when she could have given it to the poor? But look what Jesus says in verse 7 and onward into verse 9. He says this, for you will always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. And he's, I'm more interested in your heart of worship toward me. And he goes, I says, she has done what she could. She has anointed my body before for burial. And truly, I say to you, whenever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Wow. We see it all the time in the scriptures. God has made sure that story was stated in the scriptures, the canon of the scriptures, that we see that God is interested in the heart, that Jesus said, I'm more interested in worship in the heart because it's not the amount that we give. The amount comes from the heart that we have for God. See, the amount's subjective. It doesn't matter. Whatever you make, God's calling for at least 10%. But he wants our hearts to be overflowing with worship. He wants us to be fully dedicated to him. He wants to, for us to just be excited about what he's doing in our lives and what we can do for him. And it first starts by us just, it's an act of worship, by just giving him something. It's a sacrifice. It's a cost. But it's a sacrifice worth making for just simply a tenth versus what he's willing to give you back. He gave his son, but he said, just give me back this. Is that okay? Is that okay if you just give me back a tenth? Because I, I'm just asking for a tenth, but I'll give you all this. See, God gives it all, but we're willing to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. And see, that's important for us to gather. The next thing for the principle here, the least amount didn't put her name on a building, but sure enough, put it in the Bible. I mean, that's a clear statement. You know, you know how many contributors there are, financial contributors, how they give so much money, 
and a university is named after them, and a wing is named after them, and a room is named after them, and a gym is named after them, all the big financial donors, and then we look for them so they can give more, and we put their name on a plaque. But Jesus said, I'm not really interested in these rich people giving all these large sums of money. I love this woman. She was willing just to give a little. And I'll put her story in the Bible. So we could be reminded that God is interested in the heart and not ultimately interested in how much we give. But when we have a heart that follows after God in worship, the gift will follow. You follow me there? <laughs> when our hearts are willing to worship God, it will definitely be a tenth. If not, we're going to go in and saying, I really don't need that new bike, that car, that boat, that the new equipment, the latest thing. I'm going to give to the Lord. Because then you will help. You and I will help those who are hurting, those who need it, like the Benevolence Fund, and others who are down and out. We can give so we can help others. And that's what God is calling each one of us to do. Here's the number two key principle. The rich gave of their leftovers while the widow gave what was left. Now, you might say, Bruno, that might sound like you're saying the same thing. Well, think about it. When you have a big party and you have a lot of leftovers and you have a lot of surplus, have an abundance of food, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? You go, here, take it home. Take it with you. Go feed someone else. Great motive. But if we look underneath it, we're saying, it's going to go to waste, so someone's got to eat it. But also, we're afraid because we're afraid we might just pick at it and gain a couple of pounds. Now, I'm going to tell you something about candy and Halloween. If you keep the candy around long enough, I know I shouldn't eat it, but I'll keep picking at it because it will taste so good. It will just bring the endorphins down my back. I'll feel great, and I'll say, hey, just another one won't hurt. Oh, just another one won't hurt. Before you know it, I've ate like eight of those small little candies, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Then I look on the scale, and I'm like, I gained three pounds in three days. Because why? What we do is we don't want the leftovers. Sometimes in our surplus, we have a great motive. We give it away, but deep down we're saying, I can't keep all this food in the house or I'm going to gain weight. So we give it away. You might say, wow, well, you know, Bruno, I, I, didn't, I didn't look at it that way, but I'm just going to tell you that a lot of the reason why we do, we have surplus, we give it away, but is the motive really that if it was our last meal, if we knew that we didn't have the money to buy another meal, I only ask this question for all of us. Would we give it away? Would we give away the food while we're looking at our children? Will we believe that God will supply that next meal for us? See, the rich people, they just gave out of their surplus. We understand very simply when it says in verse 42, a poor widow came, just put two small coins, which made up a penny, which it really didn't even make up a penny. You know that the actual money was worth 1 64th of a day's wage? <laughs> it was 1 64th of a day's wage. She was willing to give it back to God. She put it in the temple box. There was 13 of them across there, one of them being a free will offering, and she threw them right in there. Some would even say, well, wait a minute, I can't give that up. That's all I have. Maybe I can rub those two coins together and make something of it, but I, I, I've got to be willing. But it wasn't. It was just she was willing to give everything she had. In fact, if this represented everything she had, she, she went like this. You go, God, it's all yours. 
I got nothing. I got nothing. But I have something. Because my heart of worship believes that even if I give you everything, you'll still come through. Some people would think, well, that's a little crazy. Then why would God put it in the Bible if it's that crazy? Why would the Lord give us a story to show that kind of sacrificial heart? Unless he's calling on all of us to surrender. Are we willing? Are we willing to be like this woman? What was it for her? To, it was the cost of two coins. She was willing to give it all up. Because she knew that she, it was worth it. It was a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of worship. A cost that she was willing to take on. For the sake of the gospel. You know, it's funny because... Even in the Old Testament, the priests would often do things for themselves to highlight themselves, even cultic images in the temple to present themselves. They, they didn't use some of that money for the poor. They used it for themselves. And yet what they were called to do, even God called them to do, he said, I need you to go and take care of those who are poor, fatherless, widows, poor, oppressed. Even in Isaiah chapter 1, he says, you can spread your hands out for worship. But he goes, I'm not listening. Until you're concerned about people outside of yourselves. Until we understand, even today, that this church is not just for us. It's so that we can make an impact and tell the world so we can minister to those around us. That's what God's calling us to do. It's got to cost something. In fact, it cost the rich nothing, but it cost the widow everything. And that's what she was willing to do. And I'll tell you, the cost was it's got to hurt so good if it's, or it's not true giving. It's got to hurt so good or it's not true giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 3 through 5, it says this, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part of the relief of the saints. And this... Not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Paul was writing, and he was talking about the Macedonians. How were they willing to give everything they had to take care of the poor in Jerusalem, to carry out that offering, for Paul to come back and get the offering. They were willing to give everything they had. They sacrificed all that they had for the sake of the gospel. See, so many times I get the question of, if I don't have enough money... Should I still give? Well, we talk about that, you know, the question always comes up and it says, should I structure my giving or give whatever or whatever? When, when should I start? Half a tenth? Two percent? Five percent? Six percent? Seven percent? These are questions that only you can answer before God. But why do we ask these questions? Because sometimes we have hindrances. Sometimes our heart is a hindrance. We're just not, we're, we're, we're drawn by fear or greed. Or sometimes it's the love of the world rather than the love of God. Sometimes it's just debt, like we talked about last week in my announcement. Sometimes it's just debt. In 2018, the Americans, most Americans had $137,000 worth of debt and $16,000 worth of credit card debt. So what are we going to do? What would our families and churches look like if we freed ourselves up from debt? 
I'm doing that right. My wife and I are doing that right now. We're trying to free up some debt in our lives. We're trying to say we don't want to be handcuffed. What are, what are we saying no to so we cannot become handcuffed by debt? Because, see, it's, it's not just giving, but it's willing to sacrifice something so you can give. That's what God's calling us all to do. He's going to meet our need. He promises that he would. You know, I was driving in this morning, and I'll tell you something. It's like the vultures on 488 are just waiting there patiently. I wonder, like, man, they're smart. I mean, God put some cool brains in their, in their animal brains and their bodies. And it was like, it's just amazing because they know we're going to hit a deer. Or they know someone's going to shoot a deer. And they know that they've got dinner up. I mean, dinner's up, boys. And they call on each other. And there's like 30 or 40 of them were just flocking all around a deer in a field just as I was driving by. And I was like, that's amazing. God just meets their need. I mean, all the time, and we have a deer just right in front, just before we turn into this road here, we have a deer that was just said, I know some vultures are going to be there soon. I think they're afraid because all the cars coming, but I'll tell you, God meets their need. And I'll tell you, I don't know anything about that. I'm from the city. I mean, I'm just learning about animals down here, but it's incredible. And I, I don't know if they're turkey vultures, but I'm just telling you, they're vultures, and they're mean and I'm afraid. I mean, I'll tell you, it's amazing what God does. But what does it mean to give and excel in generosity? He said it. It means to give at least according to your means. Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and it will be put in your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. So God's called us to give proportionally. But the level up where we want to go to is to give beyond our needs and our means. And to say that, even God said he'll promise to meet our needs. That's why he's saying he's calling us to give sacrificially like this woman, the nameless widow, who her story made the Bible. So we have to be a grace giver. And what does that mean? That means that a grace giver experiences God's grace. They find and they found an abundant joy in it. That's what they found. The Macedonians found abundant joy in it. Jesus said it is, more, it is more blessed to give than to receive. They wanted to give more than what was required. They had such a passion for that. They knew giving required a total buy-in. And they gave themselves to the Lord first. That's why it says in that passage, they gave themselves to the Lord. See, that's the test. The test is, again, when you... What's your first thought when you hear the word money? Do you want to get something or give something? It's a test. God's calling each one of us to do that. The last principle is simply this. The rich gave at no cost while the widow gave at all cost. She was willing to give at all cost. It says this, and he called his disciples to him. And said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. And wait, but that doesn't make sense. She put more in, but she didn't. She only put two coins, one sixty-fourth of a day's wage, not even a penny. And these guys gave, the rich people gave a lot of money. What was Jesus talking about? What was the more? Because the more is that she gave of herself. 
and the less that the rich gave more money, but they gave less of themselves to God. They didn't give themselves at all. If you see in the passage and you go a little bit back in Mark chapter 11, and you read and you study that passage, you see that Mark was trying to highlight that the leaders were not interested in giving to God. They didn't care about Jesus. They weren't interested in that he was saying that he was the son of God that came to sacrifice his life for you and I. They weren't interested that he was willing to give all for you and I so that we could have heaven. And not just hold on to it, but share it with others. See, that's what God is calling for each of us, to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of the gospel. It's going to cost something, because we can't sit here in this Western American world and expect to get all these things and then saying, okay, well, I guess God is now expecting something from me to give 10%, but wait a minute, i got to pay off my debt first. God's like, no, this is first things first. Just give me a tenth. Let's start there. The level up is sacrificial, but let's just at least start here. I won't name my nephew, but my nephew and I were talking some months ago. He said when, he, when COVID came, he got, got off of his routine of giving. I said, nephew, get back. You need to give. God's called you to it. It's a command. I know, Uncle Bruno. I said, no, 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 no. Nephew, no, no, no. You need to give. A couple weeks later, he said, thanks, Uncle Bruno, I'm giving again. I said, that a boy. Because you're called to it. We're all called to it. We've got to be willing to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. First things first. I recall one time when my wife and I were really struggling in seminary and just coming out. We didn't have enough money to pay the next bill. Then something came in. I said, oh, Joy, we... We've got the next bill. She said, did you give? I said, put my head down. I said, no, nah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I mean, I had a moment, and we gave. Shortly after, three weeks later, we had a bunch of jobs that came in because God does that all the time. He promises he'll meet our needs. See, sacrificial, sacrificial giving requires a cost, but the blessing far outweighs the cost. I just love 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and 9. For God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. That's Psalm 112. God calls us to give sacrificially. It's a cost, but it's a cost worth going for. So he's calling us to level up. He's calling us to level up. Why? Why is it important for us to have this cost? So when we give sacrificially and give away some of our earthly possessions, then we can help to restore marriages in our ministry. Pastor Dennis and I talk about this often, even with the leadership team. Marriages are unfortunately in a tough place right now. They're struggling. And wouldn't it be great for us to be able to continue to minister to those who are hurting? We want to be a church that does that. We want to be a church that ministers to, res to restore marriages. Number two, to proclaim the gospel to those who are far away from God. We huddle up here globally where we have our missionaries and locally in our community. Yesterday, Adopt a Road is just a start. 
It's our name is out there on a sign. Pastor Dennis made a joke, why did we pick this? Because it was the only one available. I tried to get us beyond there, we couldn't. I was like, this is what we got. But it gives us something to do, right? And that's why a team came here yesterday. Really kudos to the team yesterday for coming out, for all of them coming out, because it made an impact in our community to say, wow, this church cares enough. And it tells the person who's leading that saying, wow, a church called us to serve in our community. It's a start. We meet their need, and then we can share the gospel with them when they ask us the question. Make disciples so God's people can proclaim the gospel in their immediate context. Have life groups for biblical community, creating environments for long-lasting relationships to help believers encourage and exhort one another. Reaching our immediate context in Waldorf and abroad so the community knows that we are here. Reach week. Be rich, which we'll talk about in the future. Using Easter and Christmas to reach our community. That's what we want to do. The bottom line is, what are we willing to give up so we can give in to the freedom to the Lord for his kingdom? And it takes sacrificial giving, which is accompanied by sacrificial living, which derives from sacrificial love. As we're about to transition into... um, communion. I just want to take a moment and pray. I want to ask that God would challenge us right now to move in our hearts, for the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts right now, to ask that God would do that work. So I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, because we're going to mention again about the 90-day challenge. I just want to encourage you right now to think about that. And what, what part can you play? What are you willing to give up and sacrifice for the gospel? Father, today, it is our indeed pleasure and honor to be called your children. But sometimes we don't understand when you place a cost on us. And so, Lord, today, I pray that you would help us in this time, even in this time of communion, to just rest knowing that you were willing to send your son And he was willing to sacrifice his life to be the substitutionary atonement for our sin. And I pray that today that our hearts would be drawn to you as we look to you. God, please place it in our hearts and understand what it means to live a sacrificial life and to give sacrificially, not only of our money, but our time and our talents for your honor and your glory and your praise in Jesus' name. Amen.